0: So do you like meeting famous people? Everybody likes meeting someone famous, right? I'm just so curious. Who are the famous people that you have met? So if you're watching live, put in the chat right there. Who are the famous people that you've met? Like everybody wants to know your famous person meeting story. While you're doing that, I'll tell you about mine. I met Oprah Winfrey. Well, kind of. I was in the studio audience when Oprah Winfrey was filming her talk show. This is way back in the 90s when it was super popular talk show. She was filming weekly at a studio in Chicago. So I make it to the studio audience and they have this hype squad that comes out and hypes you up before Oprah even enters into the studio. And so we're all hyped up. I'm sitting on the edge of the aisle and she's gonna walk in. So she walks right by my seat. Well, because they hyped us all up, I do something that's really uncharacteristic of me. I lean over the railing, and I'm waving my hands, and I'm going, Oprah! Like an idiot. Like I lost my mind meeting Oprah. It was a whole vibe. It was happening throughout the whole studio, and I couldn't help myself. And then there was this time right here in Kansas City where I live. Um, where I'm standing in the line at Best Buy and I have my nine-year-old daughter with me and she spots this person right here in Kansas City. She spots him before I do. She can't take her eyes off him. He notices her looking at him and he turns around in the line to purchase something at Best Buy. He turns around to my daughter and says, Yes, yes. I am Santa Claus. And he reaches in his bag and he pulls out an autographed picture of him and Mrs. Claus and he hands it to her. Best day of her entire life. Like that was a big deal for her. It was very fun. It's fun to meet famous people. And the more famous they are, the bigger our reaction, right? Right? My name is Janet. I'm one of the pastors here at Restore. And you're joining us in the second week of our Christmas series that we're calling The World Turned Upside Down. And we titled the series this way because the whole Christmas story, the whole story of God becoming human and being born as the person of Jesus as a baby entering the world, this story, this reality... Well, it changes everything. Jesus' birth, it turns the world upside down. Jesus took the ways that we normally think and the things that we normally do and the culture that we normally create, and he just flips it on its head. Troy started us off with this series last week, and he talked about how the lost are found at Christmas. And we discovered that Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. And one of the stories Troy told was about a shepherd who would leave all of his 99 found sheep and go in search of the one lost sheep. He would kind of not focus all of his attention on the 99 who were found, but he prioritized the things that were lost. That's kind of an upside-down way of doing things. Today our big idea is this the least are loved at christmas. And you know how we just go wild over famous people like I lost my mind when I saw Oprah or or Patrick Mahomes. What if you saw Patrick Mahomes in the grocery store? You would lose your mind. You know that you would. Or Taylor Swift, even if you saw her at a distance in a concert hall that tickets broke the internet for, you would lose your mind. Of course we go wild over famous people. Of course, they're famous. Honestly, we can't help ourselves. It's baked into our culture. It's not bad. It's not our fault. I mean, think about it. Whatever you are about, If you had a famous person in your corner, your thing would get better. Your business would get better. If you had a not-profit, that famous person in your corner could raise money for your not-for-profit. They would be about your cause. They could open doors for you because the world is at their fingertips. And when we're in the presence of a famous person, even for a few minutes we feel like the world could be at our fingertips as well. So this makes sense. You can't blame us for going wild over famous people. But Jesus, Jesus has this pattern, this this purpose, this practice of losing his mind, going wild over the people that nobody else even notices. It's unusual, and it's unexpected, and it's upside down. We go wild for famous people, and Jesus goes wild for the least of these. It's hard to miss the upside-down pattern. And it starts with the very moment that Jesus was born. It says this in Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So the angel of the Lord could have appeared to anyone. I mean anyone. Political leaders, business leaders, the wealthiest people. Anyone. But because Jesus is crazy about the least of these, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. The shepherds. Today, that's like the angel of the Lord appearing to a group of people that we barely notice in our everyday lives. The house cleaners, the cashiers, the garbage collectors, the table servers. Now, if you're one of those people thank you. What you do matters. And it's super important. So please hear that. But I think you also get what I'm saying here. It's like if Taylor Swift came to town and she wanted to have a meeting. And so she collected all the janitors from the school and met with them. We would be like, wow, like mad respect, Taylor. Like that's cool. But it would be certainly unexpected, right? And that's how it was for Jesus. God finally, after thousands of years, decides to visit the planet that he created. And he comes finally in human form. And the first people that he wants to see outside of Mary and Joseph are the shepherds. This is a detail that is intentional, and it's significant, and it's one we shouldn't rush by. Okay, so he... Meets, the shepherds are there, they're, they're on the hill, the angel appears, and then this happens. A great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left The shepherds and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go! Like, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurry off and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This was quite a production. It wasn't just a one-man angel visitation show. No, this was a great company of angels, maybe enough to fill a football stadium. A great company. And the shepherds got quite a show. I can just see God and Jesus coming up with this plan going, let's just wow them. Let's just, let's just like blow them away. They're going to freak out. They're going to lose their minds. And then, of course, the shepherds, who are the very first ones, the very first audience of Jesus after his birth, they also get to be the very first to tell others about him, the very first to share the news of the Messiah. And that word Messiah meant something when Jesus was born. The Jewish people had been talking about, writing about, thinking about the Messiah for years and years and generations and generations, waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And the shepherds were the first to identify Jesus as the Messiah. So... Jesus reveals his affinity for the least of these by inviting the shepherds to be his very first earthly audience. And from that moment forward, Jesus would remain crazy for the ones who were overlooked by others. He would continue in that vein. When it came time for Jesus to start his public ministry, he starts gathering his followers, (coughs) those 12 people who are going to be with him and he was going to train them, and they were going to be his closest friends. And he begins building the community of followers, and his choice of the twelve further punctuates his love for the least. He chose fishermen. He chose a tax collector known for cheating and robbing people. He chose a zealot, someone trying to overthrow the current political power, like he was probably an annoyance to some and a disruption to others. He chose a thief. Jesus surrounds himself. His daily interaction. The people he chooses to spread his message after his death are the least. And when he had gathered this core of the least, and they began to go out and do ministry, (coughs) Jesus continues in his upside-down practices. He welcomes children. He empowers a Samaritan woman of poor reputation. He stops for the blind. He's interrupted for the lame. He goes out of his way for the least. And his list of least goes on and on and on and on. So that first Christmas, the cry of newborn Jesus was a cry of hope for the least. So what does that mean for us today? Some of us in the room, maybe we feel like the least. We feel like overlooked or forgotten. We feel unnoticed or unappreciated. Maybe you feel like everyone else has a great family, but mine's a mess. Maybe you feel like everyone else seems to have the right kind of resources and and money, and you just can't seem to make ends meet. Or you feel like your diagnosis or your profession or your lack of profession or your lack of connection, whatever it is, is keeping you from getting ahead and you just feel like the least. Or maybe you feel like the least because of sin in your life, an ongoing habitual sin that you can't seem to master, that perpetual habit that you haven't been able to let go of. And it makes you feel like the least. You think thoughts like, if anybody really knew me, if they really knew what I have done or am doing. Those who identify as the least in these ways, there is such good news for you. Jesus came alongside the woman caught in adultery and he crouched down and he spent time And he gave her grace, and he saw her, and he challenged her. He saw the least in every kind of way. So if you're feeling like the least today, the good news is the story of Christmas is like the best news of your entire year. Like, this is it. This is your moment. Like, this is your time. Because the least are loved by Jesus Jesus goes crazy for the least. He will be stopped. He will be interrupted. He will invite you first. If Jesus was born in 2022, you would be the first to know about it. He would make a plan to wow you with a great company of angels, the best light show and concert of your entire life. This Christmas... If the words least of these resonates with you, please, please know that Jesus came to love you. I appreciate how the angel said it this way to the shepherds. The angel said, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, for you. The angel is emphasizing that Jesus is coming into this world for you because of his great love for you. It's a good day to be the least of these. Some of us in the room have real struggle experiencing that kind of love from Jesus. I was listening to a podcast this week Um, by author and pastor Tyler Staton. And he said in the podcast that when he was a younger man, he experienced the ongoing, annoying, habitual habit and addiction of pornography. And he said now it's been 10 plus years since that's been an issue for him in his life. And so the interviewer asked him, how did you get past it? Like what happened? And he said that Uh, lots of things. One of the things is confessing fully to other people exactly what was going on, so other people knew exactly what he was entangled in. And then he said he used to feel so dirty and so small and so horrible after he had interacted with pornography. And then he said after people expressed God's love and grace to him over and over, there was a moment that instead of feeling dirty, he felt the love of Christ. In the moment of his sin, in the moment of his addiction, he felt an overwhelming love of Jesus. And he said that was really the turning point for him. That was the moment that he felt set free. Some of us in this room don't necessarily feel like we're the least, So we have people over here, you're feeling like the least because of situations, circumstance, sin. Other people in the room are going, I don't know if I identify with that feeling of being the least. You have all kinds of advantages in your life, financially, maybe health, maybe good looks, relationship, career, you name it, you got it. Maybe not all of those things, but a few on that list and you're feeling pretty good. And you don't identify with the least. So you might be thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh, sounds like Jesus has some favorites, and it's the least, and I don't identify with that, so what about me? I see you. I see you. And I hear something I've been learning in recent weeks as I have been studying these words of Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A deep dive into these words over recent weeks has helped me come to this conclusion. The poor in spirit are those who've come to the end of themselves. Those who have recognized that all of their success, their possessions, their relationships, their control of things, the power that they have will never be enough. We are not enough. Jesus says, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. No matter the amount of our resources, the level of our cultural success, the amount of power, fame, control, etc., we are not the solution. I read Matthew Perry's memoir recently, you know, Chandler Bing from Friends. Friends. Yeah, he reads it himself. I listened to it on audiobook. And he says that when he was young, all he ever wanted was to be famous. He just wanted to be famous. And then it happened. And he says at the end of this book that after all of his experiences with fame in television and movies, that fame was not enough to fill the void in his soul. He says you can tell people that, And they don't believe you, especially if they're not famous. But he said, I can promise you, I promise you it's true, fame is not enough. When Jesus says, blessed is the poor in spirit, he means blessed are you when you acknowledge that your gifts, talents, good looks, good health, good fortune are not enough. Blessed are you when you acknowledge that the things that you, in your life, there are things you cannot control. And your attempts to control life and others have brought harm to yourself and harm to those around you. Blessed are you when you've come to the end of yourself and you recognize your need for God. Blessed are you when you become empty of yourself and become Filled with God's spirit and join him in the joy and mission of this earth. So for those who are struggling to feel like the least today, may I encourage you to become poor in spirit and find your place of least so that Jesus can become great in you. The good news of this Christmas season is that the least are loved at Christmas and we are all the least. When we feel left out, overlooked, under-resourced, when we feel like the least because of our sin, when we know we're the least because we've come to the end of ourselves and we acknowledge our need for Jesus, we're all the least. And because Jesus came into the world that very Christmas, he came to love the least. The least are loved. Once the shepherds heard about the Messiah, it says when they had seen him, they spread the word about him everywhere. And they told people about this child. And all who heard were amazed. At what the shepherds said to them. When the least encountered Jesus, they could not help but spread the word. The love of Jesus, when fully encountered by us, is so contagious, so amazing, and so compelling, we cannot contain it for ourselves. I am reminded of these words of Jesus when he was teaching his disciples about the end of days, and he said, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done for me. Jesus is reminding us that when we, when we encounter his radical love, we will be compelled to share that love with others. We will not be able to contain it. Jesus is saying, when you love the least, it's like you've loved me. And when you love me, you will be compelled to love the least. My prayer this Christmas for all of us is that we will embrace, experience, and extend that radical love of Jesus who left his place in heaven to become the least himself. First as a baby and then as a criminal on the cross. He became the least so that he could love the least My prayer is that you'll experience the radical love of Jesus, and it will upside down your world. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for what you're doing through Jesus in this season. God, I pray for each person listening right now who is feeling like the least, that they would experience your love in a radical way, in a tangible way, in an overwhelming, unmistakable way. And God, for those who struggle and feel like, oh, I have it all, I have it all. I just pray that those people would be able to come to the end of themselves and allow you to feel them up as they bow down to you and surrender their gifts and their abilities and their resources to you and allow you to fill them up. And then, God, I pray for all of us as we experience being the least, that we would extend your love to others this Christmas. Give us the courage and the strength, the wisdom to do that. And I lift this all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.